to turn in your Bibles uh, to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. That's on page 980 of your pew Bibles, smaller ones. Um, Continuing to our study of of Philippians. I was hoping to finish Philippians 1 before um, Advent, but uh, in God's providence, I was sick, and I think John filled in for me, and um, it's my prayerful desire that we'll finish it before, um, by April. Um, But hear God's word, Philippians 1, verse 27. This is the word of God. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word, inerrant, infallible, our only rule of faith and practice. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we praise and thank you. Uh, that you are a God who is with us, not only on the days of sunshine and when we're feeling well, but Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is with us in our suffering and our struggles. We thank you even that Jesus was tried, tempted, tested, and always as we are yet without sin. Thank you for giving to us, Father, the holy promises of your word and your Holy Spirit that always points us to Christ. Lord, pray that you would, your word and your spirit would be at work in our hearts and minds even today, that we would be growing in our love for you And, Lord, that your word would be guiding us in our daily walk of faith with Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. You know, it's hard for Christians to witness suffering in our sinful world. It's also hard for us to endure personal suffering. You know, during the Christmas season... Even during the Christmas specials, I noted the uh, barrage of ads from the American Humane Society. Maybe you saw them as well. They show multiple pictures 
of suffering cats and dogs and puppies, and the announcer always has a a plaintive voice. Uh, The pictures of these animals show them out in the cold, shivering out in the cold, sleeping in a metal drum or chained to a tree. They always have close-ups of their sad eyes and malnourished bodies and painful living conditions so that... uh, You know, you're about ready to pull out your checkbook, your credit card, uh, to help. Suffering, you know, as a pastor, and I'm sure I'm not alone, I've visited suffering patients in the hospital over the years. I've visited with terminal patients under hospice care. You know, what does, you know, as Christians, what does God's word teach us about experiencing God's help and hope in times of suffering. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open there to Philippians chapter 1. You know, here we see, learned that God's gospel provides believers with Christ's gracious strength in our suffering. And so the question then is, well, how does God's gospel give believers strength for suffering. You know, four verses here, verse 27, uh, uh, transformation, verse 28, a truth, and then verses 29 and 30, a triumph. We begin with gospel transformation there in, in verse 27. For those of you who possess, still possess good memories, or take good sermon notes, you'll remember that Philippians 1.27 was our our year verse for for 2018. It's a significant verse in, in Philippians. As the Apostle Paul here transitions from gospel privileges there in chapter 1 through verse 26, and now Uh, God's word begins to move into that area of gospel duties, you know, for us as followers of Christ. You know, notice the opening word there in Philippians 127, only, only, Dr. Scott reminds us that, that this word carries tremendous force. Another way of translating that word only is above all. You know, as a first priority in your walk of faith with Christ. You know, and here it talks about our our gospel conduct. Only let your manner of life, only conduct yourselves. And actually it's a command, a plural command. You all conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know, it's a present and a powerful command, you know, that is given to all Christians and to Christ's church. You know, may the gospel cause you to live as God's graciously transformed children. 
transformed from the inside out by the power of the gospel. Yes, you are citizens of Philippi. Yes, you are members of the church there at Philippi. You know, but you're also citizens of heaven. Now, Dr. Fee helps us here. He writes, you know, uh, uh, his own translation, paraphrase, live in the Roman colony of Philippi as worthy citizens of your heavenly homeland. Now, if I may be so bold, we could say live in Opelousas, Louisiana, as worthy citizens of your heavenly homeland. Yes, we're citizens here, and one day, by God's grace, we will be citizens of of heaven, the already and the not yet here. And you'll see that truth emphasized again. Skip ahead to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ could also understand it this way. Let your daily walk of faith together reflect the redeeming love of Christ. You know, the the gospel, you're going to see that word repeated, graciously repeated throughout Philippians. The gospel. You know, God's good news of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. The gospel, you know, God graciously saves, sovereignly saves sinners by the shed blood of Christ, by his grace and for his glory. Our mighty God mercifully and monergistically, it's it's by his power, sovereign power, saves us from the dread destruction of sin and Satan. You know, that's not only here in Philippians or in the Gospels, all of the New Testaments. We, we see a clear evidence of it in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, or the Gospel who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to God, your God reigns. And if you go ahead to Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, speaking of Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, Isaiah 53, 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. You know, conduct yourselves 
in a manner worthy of the gospel. It's really just one word in the Greek. You know, it takes seven words in English for us to understand it. You know, one translation puts it this way. Meanwhile, live in such a way that you are credit, a credit to the message, to the good news of Christ. You know, our everyday lives should reflect the gospel of Christ. His words, with our words, with our walk of faith, individually and together, in our witness for Christ. You know, this gospel transformation that transforms our, our gospel conduct. You know, but, but we see that transformation even more. We're still in Philippians 1, verse 27. You know, the Apostle Paul, as a good shepherd of the sheep at Philippi, now writes, so that, in order that, it's a, it's a purpose clause here, whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear. You know, remember that the Apostle Paul is still imprisoned in Rome. It, it's his hope, it's his prayer that he might be able to visit uh, his beloved church family there at Philippi. That, that's his hope, that it's, that's his prayer. You know, whether I come to see you or I am absent, you know, I may hear. And and here he dutifully challenges them in in two critical areas, areas where Satan attacks churches with a strong and secretive sinfulness. You know, the first one, keep standing firm in one's spirit. Present tense, don't quit standing firm in one spirit. You know, it's it's given to the church family there, all of the Christians. Standing firm in one spirit. I believe the best way of understanding that spirit, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts and in Christ's church so that we can stand firmly together. It's almost the picture of a battlefield. You know, where, where the front lines, you know, hold the line against the enemy. You know, they're, they're lined up side by side. You know, stand firm. Hold the line as a church family. No retreat. And then the second admonition, exhortation is this. With one mind, you know, one spirit, I believe still it's, you know, our spirit, the Holy Spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Almost two sides of the same coin here. You know, contend together as Christians. You know, there's a unity of of action, a unity of faith in Christ. You're all pulling in the same direction. Think of it this way, um, not a spiritual illustration, you know, but think of being in a spiritual tug of war. Church picnics, school growing up, we had those tug of wars, you know, those big thick ropes. 
And if you wanted to intensify the challenge, you would have, you know, a body of water or even better yet, mud in the middle. Uh, so you could pull your opponent into the mud. You know, but, but as Christians, we're, we're all on the same side in that tug of war. Christ is the anchor man. You know, you always put your biggest, strongest person there as the anchor man, wrap the rope around them, and the, the outcome is assured, you know, in this spiritual tug of war. You know, that standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side, why? For the, the faith of the gospel. You know, but these go back to that first command. It's the only command here. Conduct yourselves as followers of Christ. Remember that you're citizens here, members of the church, but your final citizenship is in glory with Christ. You know, but may that gospel transform your life even here and now. Every aspect of your life, every aspect of the church. You know, may, may we radiate, reflect the gospel of Christ. And it's Christ's gospel. You know, Christ proclaimed the gospel. He purchased our salvation by his sacrificial and substitutionary death on the cross. He promised us a home in glory. Often read these words at funerals, but they're always true. John 14, verse 1 and following. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? that I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And you know, a few verses later, Jesus says that great statement of the gospel, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me, except through me. You know, gospel transformation. You know, that, that good work that he has begun within us, he's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Today, January 15th, we begin the third full week of 2023. You don't have to raise your hand or hang your head in shame, but I'm guessing that many of you, or I should say many of us, have already failed to keep our resolutions. You know, we started off strong first day, first week. Yes, we're going to uh, have healthier eating. We're going to be exercising more. We're going to be spending more time in prayer and in daily Bible reading. You know, but here... You know, Philippians 1.27 is not just a recommendation. It's not just a resolution. You know, it, it's God's gracious command that, that we must gladly follow as followers of Christ. You know, conduct yourselves. 
in your life as worthy of the gospel of Christ. Gospel transformation. Now verse 28, uh, there, there is a gospel truth here, or truths. Now God's word provides believers with the gospel truth about uh, the reality of spiritual opponents of the church. You know, but along with giving believers a word of warning, scripture also provides us with spiritual hope and help as we struggle. You know, and the first truth there is the the truth of opposition and not frightened in anything by your opponents. You know, later in Philippians, we'll read about opposition within the church. Imagine that, a church having inner struggles. But uh, happened then, still happens today. Philippians 4, 2. Apostle Paul writes, Philippians 4, 2, I, I entreat Iodia and I entreat sanctity to agree in the Lord. There was disagreement. There was feuding taking place. You know, and it's not that kind of opponents here, that, that opposition. It's, it's opposition from those outside the church. You know, it's opposition by, by those who hate Christ, hate the word of God, hate the church. You know, what's the main strategy of these foes? A little bit surprising, Look again there, verse 28, and not frightened. You know, they, they strike fear in our hearts. The word could also be understood as terrified. You're, you're shaking in your boots. You're, you're paralyzed by fear. But remember this, God's perfect love casts out all fear. 1 John four eighteen. You know, we, as you read through scripture, you can see God's people were fearful at times when that giant Goliath, the Philistine, was facing the armies of Israel, you know, before David stepped in. All, all the people, including Saul the king, were fearful. You see that fear again, you know, with Gideon. We make a lot of Gideon and his men. You know, boiled down to 300 men, but it was a much larger crowd at first. You know, but all those who were fearful were, were let go. If, if you're fearful, you can't be in this fight, this battle of the Lord. Fear. You know, it's a word only here in Scripture. It speaks of the uncontrollable stampede of startled horses. You know, chaos reigns. You know, our fear of ungodly foes still pierces our heart today. You don't even have to be a teenager, a young person. We as adults, you know, we don't like to get mocked for our faith in Christ. When people say, oh, surely you can't believe that. Surely you can't believe in, in creation. No, we don't like to be taunted for our faith in Christ, to take it a step further. You know, those who who know we're Christians, and, you know, maybe you've had folks like this, you know, who just keep poking you every day. You know, they, they know that tender spot. You know, or maybe it's just a fear of being disregarded. Uh, he's a Christian. We don't have to listen to him. They don't 
They only believe in the Bible. They don't know anything about politics, science, whatever it might be. Fear of being disregarded in academia, in the workplace, you know, marginalized, sort of pushed off to the side. You know, that spiritual opponents, you know, of, of the church and of God's people. You know, but look again, you know, there, there's a truth of hope. And not frightened in anything by your opponents, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. You know, there, there's a hope there. As believers, those who keep on conducting themselves in a Christ-honoring, God-glorifying fashion, those who keep standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel without fear, you know, our, our God uses that as evidence, as a gospel witness against these opponents. First, you know, and here scripture is very plain, of their destruction. You know, it, it doesn't mean just that they'll be defeated or silenced. You know, that, that word destruction speaks of hell. Their just condemnation to hell and God's holy wrath for their sin-hardened hearts and their stubborn, stubborn refusal to repent. But, you know, God's word saves the best for last, but of your salvation, but of your salvation. You know, there's a hymn that we sing as this line, Though troubles assail and dangers affright, though friends should all fail and foes all unite, yet one thing secures us, whatever betide, the scripture assures us the Lord will provide. You know, when, when we're undergoing attack, when we're fearful, overwhelmed, discouraged, feel defeated, you know, God, God says, you know, it, it, it's a good thing. You know, it's, it's a sign, a token, evidence, proof of your salvation, your, your salvation that comes from God. You know, God gives it to us, and our gracious God will never remove it from his children. We're secure in that salvation. You know, spiritual opposition and the persecution of believers is God's gracious sign of our sovereign salvation. Certainly not a health and wealth prosperity gospel here. Trust in Jesus and you'll never get sick. You'll have money in your pocket. And, you know, and it's a highway to heaven. No, we, we go through hard times. Physically, spiritually, we have foes of the faith. But it's not so much they hate us. They hate God. They, they hate Christ. You know, when our church proclaims the truth of the gospel clearly and compassionately, we will endure spiritual opposition. You know, don't be surprised. You know, when that day comes, and, and it's not in the distant future. Give you a historical example. Didn't... 
came to me just early this morning. Um, comes from a book, uh, a biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, written by Eric Metaxas. Commend it to you for your reading. Thick book. Uh, but it tells the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a, uh, a follower of Christ in World War II Germany. And it, it starts at the beginning of his life and then to his death. Uh, you know, but there was a great temptation for the church you know, to bow the knee to, to government in Germany, to Adolf Hitler, and, and many of the churches, many of the churchmen, Preachers included, you know, yielded. They submitted. And even the seminary says, well, yielded uh, to, to the government. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer stood firmly, you know, with a group of other believers, you know, against these, these foes. So he was striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He stood fearlessly and faithfully for the gospel of the truth of salvation along with the truth of scripture. And, you know, at times his theology is not quite reformed, you know, but there, there was an honest and genuine love for Jesus. And to, to love Jesus with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, shun fearlessness in these days of gospel opposition, of spiritual persecution, you know, and marginalization and mockery. Stand stand firmly upon God's gospel truth. That's why I encourage you all, I encourage, encourage myself, you know, be a student of Scripture. You know, a lifelong student of Scripture. Every day, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate upon it. Uh, so that uh, you will always be ready uh, to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Gospel transformation, gospel truth, finally a gospel triumph. There are verses 29 and 30. Now in these last two verses, God's word gives us a theological explanation for the suffering that was endured by the believers in Philippi. One Bible commentary put it this way, suffering in behalf of Christ is one of God's gifts to us. Suffering in behalf of Christ is one of God's gifts to us. Opposition, persecution, and suffering are not only tokens of our salvation, but assurance of our gospel triumph in Christ. Let's take a quick look here. You know, there's a a word of grace there. Verse 29, for it has been granted to you. You is plural, to to the church. The, The Greek word for granted is the same root word for grace. God has graciously given to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. You know, that, that's a theme of scripture. Acts 14.22, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. 
For the sake of Christ, we not only place our faith and trust in Christ for our salvation, but we're always ready, you know, to suffer for his sake. D.A. Carson put it this way, their call to suffer on behalf of the gospel has been granted to them. It is a gracious gift of God. You know, Christ calls us to prepare for suffering, suffering, but we're on our way to glorification. You know, that, that's the last truth there in Romans 8, that golden chain of salvation. You know, think of Jesus. You know, Jesus himself suffered. You know, mockery, taunted, scourged, beaten, nailed to the cross for our sins. But scripture tells us as well, he set his face like a flint for Jerusalem. You know, hear these words from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. You know, people say, well, what do you believe about the Bible? Well, I, or what do you like about the Bible? And people quite often say, well, the Sermon on the Mount. Well, Here's part of the Sermon on the Mount, Romans or Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And finally, verse 12, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heavens, for for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we move from grace to glory. Look at the last part of Philippians 1.30. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. You know, the the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi are enduring the same struggle and spiritual agony that Paul has experienced and is still enduring now. You know, but we suffer by the grace of God for the glory of Christ. Yes, there's a struggle, you know, but the gospel assures us, you know, of, of Christ's own triumph over sin Death and the grave by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the tomb. Close with this. You know, there's a hymn written by St. Andrew of Crete, written back in the 7th century. And it's entitled, Christian, Dost Thou See Them? You can... Find the, uh, the verses online or be glad to get you a copy. You know, the hymn moves from sinful temptation to salvation triumph for the believer. You know, from, from suffering to salvation. You know, here are the last verse. Well, I, and it, it says it's Jesus speaking to his children, to his church. Well, I know thy trouble, O my servant true. Thou art very weary, I was weary too. 
But that toil shall make thee someday, O mine own, and the end of sorrow shall be near my throne. You know, there will be an end to sorrow. God gives us not only uh, the, the clear declaration that we will endure suffering as followers of Christ, but that by God's grace we will enjoy and are assured of glorification with Christ. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. We will always be with the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. Thank you that you have not forgotten us in our suffering. And yes, Lord, there is suffering because of our own willful and wicked sin, but there is also suffering that we endure because we are followers of Christ. Satan is still the prince of this world for a time. But Lord, we thank you for that assurance of salvation in Christ. Thank you that Christ conquered sin and death in the grave with his own death in the tomb, placed in the tomb, his own resurrection from the grave, his ascension into glory where even now he sits on the throne ruling and reigning over us, Lord. And uh, Lord, when we struggle in these days, Lord, remind us uh, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.